Welcome to the Far Side of Leadership podcast, where you can have fun, and if you're lucky, learn something about leadership. And now, Terry Farr, your host. Welcome back to the Far Side of Leadership podcast. I've got a special guest with me tonight. In fact, this is a a special treat because this is the first time that I've had a guest. I do another podcast where I have guests, and I'll just tell you this, it's a whole lot more fun, it's a whole lot more energy when you have a guest, and my guest is a good friend of mine that I met back in 1993, I think, and uh, now he is one of my three brother-in-laws. I guess you'd be, are you a brother-in-law when you're married to my sister-in-law? I think we are. (laughs) (laughs) I just, you know, it gets a little confusing. By, by blood or not, I yeah. think we are brother-in-laws. There you go. <laughs> anyway, I'd like to introduce you to Stanley Cooley. Uh, some people call him Stan, but I've called him Stanley since I've known him. So uh, welcome to the podcast, hey, Stan. It, it's, it's great to be here, Terry. I've enjoyed your podcast and feel a little humbled to be uh, on, on live and then you know, in the in your studio. Uh, so it's look, I'm looking forward to this. Well, great, great. Hey, um, again, the name of the podcast is Far Side of Leadership, but uh, as the introduction says, you might learn something about leadership. Tonight's really not going to be about leadership, as uh, I have an expert with me that uh, just retired from the pharmaceutical industry, so, uh, Stanley, why don't you give the listening audience, uh, although I probably know most of this, why don't you give them a little background where you grew up, where you went to school, high school, college, sure. and, and what you thought you were going to do and didn't do. and, and, and uh, All maybe, that good stuff. Yeah, right? and, and where you worked and, and some of those positions. Yeah, and so, maybe all the 15 places you lived. Oh, good gosh. Let's don't go there. 15 houses and we're on our final home now. Uh, back here in Pearl River County. I was born and raised in Picayune, Mississippi, and I actually grew up on Goodyear Boulevard. So uh, very much a Picayune person for those listening in on the podcast that might be in Pearl River County or from Picayune. And um, really was uh, proud to be able to then go from graduating in high school in Picayune to Mississippi State. And it was at Mississippi State that I began my first real passion for science and science-related fields. And so I ultimately did get my um, BS in microbiology and immunology, which Mm. is a very odd thing. I think sometimes you don't realize what you're going to be when you grow up, and I still don't. But uh, but I, uh, I did get my degree in that, which subsequently kind of led me towards a pharmaceutical sales background initially and then into other areas of pharmaceuticals uh, with uh, Johnson & Johnson. So that's who I just recently retired from after 30 years. Now, were you with Johnson & Johnson or other companies owned by them? That's the only place you ever worked? No, that's a great question. When you start out, you know, you really hope for a job uh, in pharmaceuticals, but you have to kind of prove yourself. And so uh, because of the fact in Jackson, Mississippi, where I was living at the time, there were very few individuals with a heavy micro background. And uh, I'm a person that has no fear of gab or talk or people. And so uh, it was the combination of a micro background and the fact that I'd be selling antibiotics in a hospital environment that I was hired initially by a German-based company called Herx Roussel 
which uh, ultimately went through many mergers and transitions. Uh, but I was with them for about three or four years before ever getting to J&J, as we call it, or Johnson & Johnson. And so a um, couple of different experiences prior to getting to J&J. So at what point did you meet Lisa and get married? So um, the, the big uh, kind of joke around our house is that I started dating Lisa uh, towards the middle of our senior year. I knew her from junior high, and um, we dated um, probably starting in November of our senior year. I was accused of dating several of her girlfriends first, but um, then I ended up dating Lisa. And then ultimately, uh, through uh, time and through uh, a great, wonderful uh, kind of connection, uh, we both landed in Jackson after we graduated from college. She went to Southern I went to state, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, then we were ultimately engaged and married, and we're going on about 36-plus years at this stage. I wasn't even going to ask in case you didn't know. It's a little scary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. Hey, guess uh, what, guys, what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, I'm 70 years old, and Stanley's not. Well, I'm uh, 61, so I'm chasing right behind you. Yeah, he's behind me, so... But what we want to talk about, uh, those that know me real well uh, know that my ultimate goal is that I'm going to live to be at least a healthy 120 years of age. Uh, Some people giggle and laugh when I say that, especially when I tell doctors, you know, uh, I told my oncologist uh, that, and he said, well, when I retire, I guess I'll refer you to another oncologist. But uh, but my goal is to live to be a healthy 120 years of age. Um, my dad died at, uh, I believe he was 56. How old was your dad when he uh, died? My dad, uh, his name, it was Pete Cooley. He died when I was 16, so he, he was 47, a very young man, uh, probably related to some of the things that we'll be talking about yep. later. Yep. Yeah. That same, yeah, and I think my dad, he was either 56 or 57, I think 57 actually, and my dad died of a heart attack, and I think, is that what your dad did? My dad did, he actually, um, it was his third and final heart attack, but he had Mm. an extended period of time where he was very disabled from the initial first two heart attacks, and so uh, certainly we'll be talking about the cardiac, uh, you know, uh, arena, and kind of how important that is for all of us. Yep. All right, now let's talk about our mamas, because that's that's the genes that I'm going to claim. My mama passed away at age 97, and how old was Ms. Cooley? Yeah, so my mother, her name was Freda Cooley, and I'll I'll get off track a little bit here, because we referred to my mother as the bionic mom, Mm. and we did that for a reason. She was an example of an individual that early in 1964, so that's taking a lot of people listening to this podcast way back to my youth, um, she was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. And so she had what was at that point in time called a radical mastectomy. And then she survived that with uh, what they used back then, very different from the treatment you've recently undergone. They did a a radiation that was called cobalt treatments. Mm -hmm. And so uh, she did fine until the mid-80s, and she had a second recurrence, and so she had another mastectomy. Um, Then she went on to have several bouts of a very uh, unique form of gynecologic cancer that's not really understood well, but it's called Paget's disease. And so uh, she lived to be 90, but add in there a 
five-way bypass and a three-way oh. bypass and Damn. about four or five pacemakers. And you always got her voicemail because she was such a positive light oh, yeah. in the community and within her her circle of friends and her church. So um, we called her the bionic mom for a reason. We felt like she was going to live uh, you know, with us forever. Yep. And she did have a really good, inspiring run yep. uh, to 90 years of age. And she was citizen. I don't. I should have looked that up. She was citizen of the year. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce has citizen of the year every year, and she was citizen of the year several years ago. So I think, believe it or not, she she had the title like four times or the honor wow. uh, through her lifetime. And I remember her once being. She was so proud of Picayune and the community and the the people that live and have their families and come from this area. Um, but I remember her once saying, now, I just can't do that again. <laughs> she said it should be for someone good, better, and it should be spread around more. But it was great. Yep. So what we're going to talk about tonight, Stanley, is uh, some causes of death. I mean, hey, let's face it, we're all going to die. Right. You know, we just right. don't know when. And um, so we're going to talk about the causes of death. We're going to talk about some of these causes. And, um, I'm the kind of guy that likes to figure out how to prevent stuff instead of, and, and some of y'all know that I was diagnosed with tongue cancer on January 3rd, 2020, and which was total shock since I hadn't had any tobacco since 1979. So I was in total shock, but at least my oncologist told me that the treatments I was going to go through, uh, was 80% cure rate. And, um, Hey, I, I'm cancer-free right now, and and everything's good. So, anyway, I do. Amen and hallelujah. Right? Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. just as I told uh, one of my do- one of my various doctors, uh, I just do what y'all tell me to do, as long as y'all keep on telling me what I want to hear. So, right. so we're going to talk about some of the causes and uh, maybe some of the preventions and um, average life expectancy, that kind of thing. Uh, so, Stanley, you want to you want to cover a few of the uh, top causes of death yeah i, I we've think already touched on i was gonna say it's interesting because here we've we've kicked it out with probably the number one that's out there is heart disease or cardiac uh related illnesses and then right behind that at number two is cancer related you know illnesses um i do think that you can't really find a family that you talk to that someone doesn't say whether it's themselves or whether it's a mother, brother, sister, um, you know, family member has not been touched by that. Now, the reality is, is every patient is an individual patient. And when you have either heart disease or cancer, your particular issue is pretty much kind of your issue and everyone's outcomes can look differently. But I think we'll be touching on some things that kind of put you in the right direction of making your outcomes positive, right? right. So that's what you, you hope for. So, and, and one thing about cancer, as you talked about with your mom, I mean, it's, it's not just tongue cancer. There's so many various cancers out there that uh, is totally unbelievable. And one thing, I like to study, read, listen to stuff. And one thing that I had always said, I'm not going to learn about cancer because I'm not going to get cancer. And uh, then when I was diagnosed with it, I said, ooh, let me do a little research and after getting on the internet, I said, nah, let me get off of that. I don't, it'll I, scare you if yeah. you read too much, right? Yeah. So I, I didn't want to believe that. But, uh, so next up after cancer, we get uh, lung disease. Is that right? Yes. And I think here again, you know, um, 
you can think of lung disease as a kind of a, a spectrum, right? So I think about my father who was a pack or two a day smoker, mm. and now we're kind of connecting lung and cigarettes mm-hmm. to actually the cardiac piece that right. was a, a way that there's a linkage there. Then I think about our immediate family and, you know, we have members in our family, you and I both, that have had COPD or asthma or related illnesses towards lung. And and so, um, again, kind of touches families more than you realize. That's right. Of course, you always have accidents. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, we, we don't have to have accidents, but accidents do happen and, and that contributes to a large number of deaths. But after that, uh, I think you have probably strokes. Yep. And, and then Alzheimer's comes in real quick after that. And I think stroke and Alzheimer's, um, we could really have a long discussion. Those are those types of things that sometimes when they happen, it may not necessarily take your life initially, but right. or the change that someone experiences with a stroke, uh, paralyzation, lack of motor skills, their verbal uh, changes that can come into play. Or if you've ever had a family member with dementia or Alzheimer's, um, that changes not only the life of that individual, but definitely the entire family circle around that patient. Uh, that is for sure. And then, of course, uh, and these get to be in smaller numbers, but you have diabetes, influenza, kidney disease, that type of stuff. Uh, and and And... There's a lot of people out there with diabetes. I just don't know that much about diabetes. So you want to just touch yeah, on that? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, um, typically if you look at the types of diabetes, there's two different types. There's a type 1 and a type 2. Um, type 1 is uh, pretty serious because it can affect younger individuals. It's going to be a real insulin-borne uh, disease. But when you look at endocrinology or you look at how someone's blood sugars and uh, things take place... Uh, type 2 diabetes is one that actually there can be some preventive measures. It can run in a family, but there can be preventive measures that you do take by good diet, by exercise. By um, Typically, that comes a little later on in life, and usually weight or your diets uh, can contribute to you having type 2 diabetes. It can sh- usually be controlled by an oral pill or with insulin shots. Um, but I would hearten to say that with particularly diabetes in, in general, the advances that have taken place in the last 10 years have been pretty dramatic where, um, you know, people are living really good lives. Um, but if you don't keep your diabetes under control, it then has an effect on your eyesight, on your circulatory system sometimes, and neuropathy or being able to feel things or have pain associated with diabetes can take place. So um, it's not an easy disease, but it's one that once you know you have it, you really do need to be uh, conscientious about your diabetes. There you go. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm sure. going to answer it after I ask you. But, uh, I mean, when you take a look at those causes that we just covered, and there's, you know, maybe some others, obviously, like suicide, and we're, we're not going to touch on that. But out of those top causes... Which one do you not want to die of? You, um, ever, you ever thought about that? I have thought about that. It's um, Well, so it's fascinating. I'll, I'll give you an, a reason for my answer, and then I'll tell you a reason why another one's been important to me. So okay. uh, as a rare um, individual, at age 18, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure. 
So I have actually been on something uh, for high blood pressure, different medications or treatments since 18 when I was in college at Mississippi State. Uh, so you would think that with a father with heart issues, a mother with the bypasses and all that, I would immediately say heart disease. Right. Or you would think that with her having had cancer, I would say cancer. But for me, it would be the fear of um, dementia and Alzheimer's. Hmm. I, that's one of my bigger concerns. And I think the reason for that is that I've done a lot of work over the years, particularly the last 10 years, in the mental health uh, realm of pharmaceuticals. And while um, the area that I was in a lot, it was called neuroscience. Uh, we had medications and products for people with severe mental illness, like, you know, um, you, know you could have uh, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder. You could have bipolar issues or depression or mood. And while we had good agents for that, and it's, those are still very underserved and very challenging health issues, the one area that we still, I think, um, from an industry of treatment and being able to really make a difference, uh, Alzheimer's ones that is an area that all of a sudden you really don't have quite, I think, the treatments that we hope to have in the near future and a, a, a really needed area of continued study and investigation. Makes sense to me. Guess what mine is? Um, I would say cancer. <laughs> no? No? I have... I there's no doubt in my mind I will not die of a heart attack or cancer. There's no doubt in my mind. My, my answer is the same as yours. Yeah. Uh, That's and there, interesting. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, and, and I honestly, because I, I did recently, as you know, uh, because I didn't have a cardiologist and because my dad died of a heart attack at what I think was an early age, uh, I told my primary uh, that, uh, I think I get me a cardiologist. So I had a bunch of tests and whatever. And, and he, he said, as far as the follow-up, just come back and see him if I needed him, you know, right. so That's good every, everything tested out good. And I never heard of calcium count, but that was zero. So that evidently is uh, good. So yeah, my biggest, it's not something I'm worried about, but it's going to lead into our next discussion, I guess, is because when my mother was, I, I don't know, I, I'll forget the exact ages. I mean, she was running good. When she turned 90, I asked her, I had to be careful how I asked her, but I said, so what does it feel like to be 90? And she said, I feel like I'm 59. Yeah. And I was glad to hear that. And, and she was doing real good. And then finally in her, you know, mid-90s, mid I guess, uh, you could tell maybe she wasn't, hitting quite as good as she was when she was 90. Right. But then uh, we took her to the emergency. Uh, my sister, Vicky took her to the emergency room one time, and then uh, uh, my sister and brother-in-law and I took her uh, to the emergency room a second time, December of 2016, and um, in fear that she had um, uh, pneumonia because she was you know, coughing and she wouldn't get up and watch a football game and whatever, so I knew something wasn't right. But anyway, uh, found out she had a urinary tract infection. And I'm just telling you, I may be wrong, but that was like put her over the top. And next thing you know, and well, in fact, I asked the doctor that was in the emergency room, I said, are you going to admit her? And he said, for what? Her vitals are good. You need to take her home. And he said, but, I, but I, you know, I, I can make a recommendation. And I said, well, yeah, go ahead. I said, I got a type A personality. My sister does and my mama does. What, what do you recommend? And he said, hospice. I went, hospice? 
He said, yeah, your mom's. It's a scary word. Also. Yeah, he yeah. said, your, your mom's going down quick. And I'm telling you, she went down quick. But next thing I know, and we were, we were I, I'm going to say in denial, but all of a sudden she started remembering a lot of things where she grew up and saying a bunch of weird stuff and having to repeat things over and over and very forgetful. So um, I, I don't know what her death certificate actually says. Probably as that doctor said, OLD. You know, yeah, she, yeah. Hey, when you're 97, hey, it doesn't, yeah. does, it, does it really matter? But But I'm just saying, I think she must have had a, form of dementia or Alzheimer's or something. Well, the the thing that is interesting, you mentioned that she had a urinary tract infection, and quite often, particularly in elderly individuals, when there's a urinary tract infection, it is accompanied by mental confusion. And a lot of that has to do with the way in which the body's processing what really would be, you know, ammonia levels, different uric levels in their body. Things start to get a little bit out of whack when the kidneys and the urinary tract is not functioning as well as it, as it should. So um, they, it may sometimes give you a preview to what mm. someone's about to start to go through, but it's not uncommon that you mention some confusion and a urinary tract infection together. Oftentimes, whether it's a nursing home patient or someone in even in the hospital, if they're kind of fine one day and then all of a sudden the next day they seem really confused, one of the first things that they'll check for is a urinary tract infection. Well, Stanley, in, in getting sort of halfway prepared to ask you some intelligent questions, Oh, I, I did pull up a few things, and, and I was real disappointed to see that the average life expectancy in the United States for 2020 is 78.93 years. That means uh, that's not good. I mean, I, no. I don't like that statistic. So yeah, I, what I, what I want to talk about is you're going to teach me some things on – uh, what I need to do and others listening need to do to beat those odds and so we can live to be 120. Yeah, I think I think if you look at any average American and you think about the, the way in which the majority of people live, I think you think, wow, you know, surely we've made major steps and leaps forward, and we have uh, in treatment and in general health. But what you also find out is that there's a there's a population that doesn't necessarily have good dietary, uh, you know, nutritional uh, support. There's a group that doesn't necessarily do exercise. Uh, there's a group that doesn't necessarily um, believe in treatment uh, programs or medications, and really will get prescribed something and never fill that prescription. Right. You would be surprised, uh, having been in the industry, to hear that upwards of sometimes 40 to 50% of prescriptions that are written are never filled by the patient mm. um, because they just choose not to take the treatment. So I'm a big, if you're kind of asking what do I think is really important, I think it's a balance of everything. It's good. It's the access to good medical care. I think it's being sure that if diagnosed with something and a good treatment has been laid out, it doesn't have to be all pharmaceutical. Treatment can be diet. It can be exercise. It can be a, a pill or a pharmaceutical, but behavioral modification is a really big thing that really treats the general health of an individual. And all of those things add together. And while that 76 number it sounds a little too close for you and me. Or no, 78. No, don't, don't 78. Back up. Okay. 
Don't back up. 78 sounds too close when I'm 61 and you're like 70. in that 70 range, right? So I would say, though, that a holistic approach that's balanced, that looks at all different characteristics that you surround yourself with uh, has a lot to do with how you'll beat that number by spades the way that your mother did into her mid-90s and my mother to 90. Um, but everyone as an individual makes choices and they're empowered to make their own choices. But sometimes you find that people don't make the right choices for their own health. It gets displaced by the other shiny object that's out there that uh, they put their focus on that. And that might be another person. It might be an activity. It might be their job. It might be the stress that they're, they're working through, but that shiny object can sometimes get them pulled away from taking care of themselves holistically. Uh, and that can be a balance of a lot of things, whether it be medication, exercise, diet, um, getting good medical uh, care and advice when needed. So um, got a little long-winded there, but no. it's, there's not a single answer as much as there's a kaleidoscope of what you need to probably think about. But what I do like is when you look at the causes of death and then you look at what I'm going to call some preventive measures, uh, a lot of them have the same preventive measures, such as if you smoke, that's just liable to, as you said earlier, affect, you know, the lung or the, you know, cancer or whatever. So smoking, I'm just going to say this. If you will, if you're doing tobacco, do me a favor and quit. Just stop. Yeah, yeah I mean, just stop. I, I did. Yeah, and I'm asking you to. And I'll be honest with you. I said it would be worth it. Uh, me going through uh, my cancer treatment if I could get anybody to quit. So if you're dipping, uh, I, I'm just going to tell you. Now Stanley might tell me different, but if you're dipping, I mean that's light. And you have any relatives that dip? Don't don't answer that. But. <laughs> Especially young guys that are dipping, yeah. please, please quit. Please stop. I, I, I honestly do think what you just went through, and we as a family watching you, and I'll, I'll give you a lot of props because you took it with a positive attitude and approach that was very grounded and doing exactly what they were asking of you from a treatment. Um, you were surrounded by love, too, as well as positivity but you you did everything that was asked of you by your clinicians and uh your outcome has been nothing but phenomenal for you personally and for all of us i would say if if someone is um you know using nicotine smoking uh, whether it's a pipe a cigar a cigarette you know chewing tobacco with if you're thinking about throat and tongue and what you went through just just know that you know you are incrementally um almost like sitting in a poker game and giving yourself the worst hand of cards that you ever could by just mm. that that one thing you know uh now i will i will be the first to say this it is probably because back in the day i was in pharmaceuticals where we had a nicotine product and i'll leave it unnamed uh you know because i don't like to do branded sort of endorsements of anything I did do a lot of research. I had to do a lot of training around the addiction of nicotine. And it is probably one of the most hard addictive agents to get off of. Uh, right next to uh, cocaine or yep. something much more serious. So, so for me to say, you know, don't smoke, um, that can be sometimes heard uh, a little flippant 
kind of if you're not an individual that is currently smoking and trying to quit right. because it is very challenging too. Yeah. But I would say you really should. You you owe it to yourself and those that you love around you uh, for the long whatever that longevity is that we all wish for. That will add to that. So um, and I, having I been addicted to nicotine before. Everybody knows this. The longer you do it, the harder the it harder is. The harder it so, is. So, uh, I actually would share with you that even having had a father that was a one to two pack a day smoker that died, like I said, when I was 16, I was, I was just so puffed up on myself when I went off to Mississippi State that I was smoking uh, for the first six months of college. And even family members may not know that. But I, I realized, you know, I, I didn't have the income or the money. I couldn't mm. afford cigarettes. Uh, I was doing good just to have the tuition to be in school. And so through a monetary need, uh, I stopped because I couldn't afford it and date and do other things. Yeah. And then all of a sudden what you started to realize is later as my life went on, I was, thank goodness, I stopped at the point that I did. So. Well, good. I'm glad you did, and I'm glad I did. Also, too, just would just touch. You've already touched on some of this, but if uh, hey, if you drink too much alcohol, it ain't good for you. It's is not it? good for you. Um, you know, people people need to know that um, there is a word called moderation. Um, moderation, though, can get out of control for people if they're not careful, and there are there are effects that will take place to to your liver or to other things. Now, people will let you know quickly a glass of red wine or tannins and things like that can have health benefits. It's just, you got to be sure you're not going with a whole bottle as opposed to the glass, you know? And so I, uh, I personally do have, uh, the, uh, like social alcohol. I do drink, but I do it in a way that I would never want to endanger myself. And I would say that's the advice you would ever want to give to someone. Well, and then too, I'm like, I've heard, you know, drink a glass of wine, red wine, you know, Uh, maybe a man could drink two, maybe a woman one, whatever, and not a bottle. But, but then on the other hand, if, if you had a drinking problem, you might not want to start drinking wine. But anyway, nothing to do. Oh, well, let's talk about uh, BMI. You know, how much do you weigh versus your height and all? Is that important? You think? It is important, and I'm not going to give my number at this exact <laughs> moment because <laughs> I've probably got 15 that need to jump off of me and not on to anyone else. But it just yeah, I've got about 15 to get rid of. It's very, it's very real, and I think that uh, you know BMI or body mass index is just. You know, it's basically a ratio of what is fat versus lean versus, you know, healthy in protein or muscle. And uh, and so, yes, I will just leave <laughs> my uh, numbers off to the side, but say I definitely uh, would support that we, uh, you know, don't, um, again, the word moderation. So yeah, whether right. that's at the table or whether it's the portions on your plate, it's the balance of what went onto that plate. And um, you know, I typically am not a big dessert person, but I do find that um, if you're not careful, a lot of carbs will start sneaking in from somewhere. And mm-hmm. while you need some carbs, you don't need too many. And so, yes, uh, BMI. Uh, and again, what we're talking about, you start to see how it's um, a little bit like Charlotte's Web. It's like a spider web. It's like, you know, everything does kind of have connecting dots to it. So we talked about smoking a little about alcohol. Now we're talking about body weight and, you know, we talked about diabetes. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you, all of these things do have interconnecting, um, 
dots. Yep. 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 Uh, let's see what else. Exercise. Yes. That, so, I'm a huge <laughs> fan. Yes. I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of exercise. And I was, I would, I would say I was a gym rat up until about my fifties uh, or so. And, um, and, you know, really do need to get a little bit more of that, uh, into my you become daily a gym mouse. Yeah. Just anything, a mouse or anything, but, uh, no exercise, um, cardiovascular health is not just about the heart. It is about, you know, burning calories. It is a way to get your pancreas and your blood sugars and your glucose within your body to be moderated in a better way. So the benefits of exercise and your respiratory, again, it's almost like we're saying all these things connect and they do. Uh, so this, that's another very, very needed piece. All right. And the, Probably the last topic until we think of the next one. But if it's uh, going to make me look bad on this no, podcast, no, I'm not no, going to answer. It. We're not giving our BMI. <laughs> hey, you know, back to the BMI. You know, um, and there's charts out there you can look at it. You know, so when they ask me how tall I am, I always add that extra half an inch, yeah. make sure. But uh, it's easy to be considered obese, or, or it's easy to be considered overweight, and there's not a whole lot of difference between no. overweight. And obese. The margin is extremely close, and um, you you will often find with a very truthful clinician or physician that you're seeing, whether it be your primary care, your internist. Um, you know, my internist, um, and she'll go nameless, but she was um, really someone who ruled uh, BMI with me, and mm. um, she literally would tell me the number of pounds mm. that I was overweight. Then she would tell me that how far I was off from being obese so she kept a tight rein on being sure that my waistline stayed a certain size and my weight stayed a certain size based on bmi and you're you're correct uh it's a little scary that 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 scale is not as large as you would like to think it is that's right well let's talk about this last topic back to the alzheimer's or dementia um i've got my own thoughts on you know, some of this stuff you might not can control, but some of it you can. And so what are some of the things, since we're both not, we don't want to die of that. So what can we do in addition to not smoking, not drinking too much, exercising, uh, BMI, good? And, yeah, if you're doing all of those things, if you're doing all the things around exercise, and I really would emphasize exercise first, your, your weight, your diet, all of those things, those are all really good. I think there's still so much that's unknown about Alzheimer's and dementia. But the one thing that, that is real is that you really do want to take uh, a good multivitamin. You want to be sure that you're doing things that stimulate your brain. Mm -hmm. Like as we get older, a lot of, you know, and I'll use myself as an example. I just retired. And, you know, you're after working like anywhere from 50 hours a week to 60 hours a week. Sometimes you feel like, oh, I just want to relax and just chill now and not do anything. Well, chilling doesn't mean or relaxing doesn't mean you don't want to stimulate your brain. Right. So whatever that is that that has you um, thinking things, happen to be quizzical, intellectual curiosity about reading or puzzles or, or word games or or even video type games things that keep your brain stimulated uh the better off we are and that that is something that is encouraged you know in the medical field uh, around alzheimer's and dementia and just being sure that you do 
everything that you can within your power to stay mentally active, uh, even if you have started to slow down a little bit in physical activity. Good answer. I like those answers. And and quite honestly, that's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast. I'm about three years behind schedule on this podcast because I didn't have a whole lot of help, you know, other than some encouragement from some people. But I was real slow in figuring out how to do this, but I'm glad that I did. And again, I, I would rather be stretched and out of my comfort zone, and I love learning. So, uh, hey, I'm going to live to be at least a healthy 120 years of age. I'm not going to be hooked up to a bunch of gizmos to get me there. That's just, That's I'm sure, sticking right? to that. Yeah. And, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this unless you got some other stuff you want to add or talk about. But I do believe in the power of the spoken word. In fact, I did a podcast not too long ago on that. And I, and I think if you, no, I know, if you go around saying you feel bad, guess what? <laughs> you sure, you're going to feel bad. feel bad, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> so speak what you want, not necessarily what you have. So yeah. I, I do believe, and you touched on it a while ago, uh, positive attitude. And I hang around with people with positive attitudes, and I, I just really... Uh, encourage that we all have that positive attitude. So the only thing that I would add to that is, um, and I'll use again, not just myself or my upbringing, but I used to look at my mother and I thought about the fact that she lost a husband, that she lost one of her children, a daughter, um, you know, that was only like 44. She did lose a child at like three months. She actually um, had her own health issues. She tried to do everything in her power to be sure that my sister and I and my younger sister before she passed, that we were raised with a, a set of core values, uh, you know, that we looked at things in a way that, that we saw the good in things. I've never seen an individual that had the positivity around life, living life. Faith was a huge dimension for my mother and her, her Christian faith. But I would just say that being positive, looking at the outcomes that you want to see for yourselves and those that you love, the people around you, as opposed to being negative, um, I personally would much rather spend a day with another positive individual than two other negative ones, right? And so I do think that that energy, um, that zest for life, and it's not about being a Pollyanna and seeing things only through rose-colored glasses, but it is taking pause, taking a moment every now and then, be reflective, think about the good dimensions that are around yourself and your life and your family, and then also just kind of leaning into those a little more because any and everyone that hears this podcast could have a list of the things that are their personal challenges, their family challenges, health challenges. But I'm telling you the positive approach that, that you elicit when I'm around you and that other people do that. I think my mother was a, 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 a you know, kind of like a golden saint of um, that makes a lot in the quality of the life that you lead and the life of those of the people around you. Uh, too so um kind of get off my soapbox about positivity now. oh hey i'm i'm with you okay. I'm with you all the way is there anything that uh we did not cover that you think we should or uh touch on anything else no the only other thing that i would say that we probably i would just mention it again is that no one goes through any of these things by themselves and everyone 
around us has experienced some of these issues or related things. So um, think of yourself as um, someone that if you need to reach out to someone, reach out to someone. If you need if you need to get um, insight or you need to get uh, someone to uh, reflect with and to, to ask what their situation or their journey was like, never think your journey is a singular journey alone. Uh, we're all doing this, right? We all want to be uh, with you, Terry, at 110 or whatever. And 120. 120? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, but I just, just, I would just say never feel like any of us are doing this alone because the minute you th- feel like you're in a corner by yourself, uh, you don't have the support that you probably need to make the best choices for yourself and for others. So, uh, you know, think about the, the circle of friends, the circle of family, um, spouses or significant others, and uh, just be sure that, you know, you're never alone. There you go. Hey, let me, let me just ask you this. Who's more hard-headed, a male or a female? Um, in most cases. In most cases, I would say that... Um, if I'm in an argument with Lisa, I would almost swear it's her, but I would, I, I'm convinced I am more so. so well, I think and I wasn't talking about you. But here, <laughs> I think it's a male yeah. because I think what you find is, particularly in the medical arena of what we've been talking about, the true caregiver role throughout life, and it's a, it's a lot of the reason why people market a lot towards women in the past and still do now is that they're the ones that made sure someone got to the doctor they made the appointment they knew the date that it was the timing of it they're they're a paternal maternal like that mother instinct uh is so strong as caring and giving for almost uh the majority of individuals so i think that Men and, and males, when it comes to health, we can be more stubborn and yep. hard-headed. Yep. And I think females uh, are the ones that encourage us to reach out and get the advice, the clinician's support or whatever it is, the treatments that we need. So I don't know if that's where you were going with your question, yeah, but I, that's I my just, gut. I think you and I probably know some hard-headed men that, Think Won't go that, to the doctor. That they don't think they need to go to the doctor and they don't ever have their PSA checked and stuff like yeah. that. And anyway, so. So the one thing that I would say, and it's because of the timing of, of your podcast, uh, when you were talking about, um, you know, um, lung related or you know, pneumonia and influenza as being one of the, the more challenging um, it's about a 50% of individuals that don't even get flu shots nowadays. So we're living in a world of COVID where we're trying so hard to get a vaccine by hopefully the end of the year or next year, and people will have the, the confidence, the support, security, health of a vaccine. But um, even as we speak, you know, every year, there's probably about 50% of the population that won't even get a flu shot. And yet pneumonia is one of the uh, higher numbers that we had right here right. and typically flu turns into pneumonia which then turns yep. into what would be uh, a final straw for someone so That's get fine. your flu shots everyone <laughs> there you go well stanley i appreciate you being uh my first guest on on the show i'm honored you may never have another now uh, because uh, I, I may have ruined this <laughs> now we we might have educated everybody so much they don't need to go to the doctor you know i don't know <laughs> But no, uh, go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, go to the doctor. Hey, don't be hard-headed, folks. I mean, I, I can't tell you what age you need to start going to the yeah. doctor. But if you Trust got... me, even sleeping at the Holiday Inn is not the answer. Go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so if you got symptoms, go to go. the doctor. Yeah, yeah. Get, you, 
get you a good uh Hey, I got so many doctors, it's unbelievable. But I'm I'm real proud to have all the doctors that I've got because they're going to help me get to that at least 120. So anyway, again, I uh, appreciate you coming on, Stanley. And let me say this, um, this was a longer than normal podcast. And all I can say is, gee, it was worth it. And I, ho- I hope you make it all the way through. But if you get started on any of these podcasts and they're too long, hey, you can pause it and come back to it, you know. Yeah. I'm finding that more and more of the podcasts I'm listening to are getting closer to two hours long, you know. So, well, anyway. it was it was a real pleasure, and I can't um, applaud you enough for what you're doing. Uh, it's inspirational, and I am very honored to have been a part of one of them. Well, I appreciate that. If y'all have any questions, I give you Stanley's cell phone, but since he's retired, I think he would shake his head. Don't do that. So. I would say go to your doctor. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, but anyway, hey, if there's anything you need to know, I guess go to your doctor or (laughs) send me an email or whatever. But uh, uh, please share this and uh, make it a great day. Have a great one, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Far Side of Leadership podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today. Feel free to share with anyone you think may enjoy the podcast. For more information, visit terryfar.com.